Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Okay, here we go. AFC Divisional Playoff. Bengals at Bills Sunday, 3 p.m. Highmark Stadium, where Matt Bove is standing with me, Sal Capaccio, inside a hallway. I was just doing some radio here, and people were going in and out. We had doors slamming, so I apologize if you hear that. And also, we don't want to be in anybody's way. I mean, we could forearm shiver them if they come through. Yeah, I will push somebody to the side if I need to. Right tackle Bove has always been the joke. (laughs) I will, you know, I'll make sure I box somebody out if we need to. I always want to, so I go on these other um, stations and podcasts or whatever around the country, and these Odyssey stations, I was just on two of them this week, and every time they bring me on, they talk about, Here's Sal. He's co-host of the podcast. It's always game day in Buffalo with Matt Bove. Bove. That's what they say, Bove. Yeah, we've heard everything. We've heard Bove. We've heard Bovey. We've heard Bova. There's really not actually even an accent on the E. Like our family has used it forever to try and get people to say like Bove. That predates me. But the actual last name is just B O V E. Like on nobody's birth certificate. So it could be actually Bove, as far as you know. You don't know. Well, this was shortened like years and years and years oh, okay. ago when people that makes sense. from Italy. So yeah, exactly. I got really no idea what it even was before but Beauvais and it's it is like it's a very difficult name to look at and get on the first try because I don't think if I was reading it I would go with Beauvais at all I think it'd be both we have a new game now I want anybody listening to this to tweet us and come up with what it was shortened from we we need someone tweet us what was Beauvais shortened from so how about this one this is fun so my wife's family her father and her grandfather Name is Blaze, which is like the coolest name in the world. B L A S E. Oh, B L Blaze, like um, from what is that? Not Paw Patrol. There's another one, oh. but the Blaze and the Monster Machines or something like that. Max used to watch it. Okay, no, I don't know that, but so the name is B L A S E. But I had just recently found out. So that is my father-in-law's actual name is Blaze, but his father's real name wasn't Blaze. It was Biagio. But when they came over here, it was changed to Blaze. So first off, Biagio is an unbelievable name. Yeah. Blaze is really cool, too. But, yeah, so it's like one of those like cool names. Well, um, mine's Capaccio, obviously, and I don't think it was changed, but... It could have been at some point because there are there's a town, but my dad wasn't from Capaccio. But anyway, that's what happens when people come over from yeah. uh, Europe. Back in the, the the day, I guess they did that kind of stuff. All right, let's talk about football. Let's get into it. Bills and Bengals, Sunday, three p.m. here, and the storyline this week is Bengals injuries, right? I mean, that is the storyline of this game. As of right now, as we talk to you on a Wednesday afternoon, we don't have a Bengals injury update. Maybe we will by the end of this podcast. But looks like Jonah Williams is going to be out there, left tackle. Alex Kappa is going to be out there, right guard. And, of course, Lyle Collins, we already knew, is out there, right tackle. Yeah, I mean, just considering where this team was even a couple weeks ago when they played the last game that never actually happened, the Bengals have lost two of their starting offensive linemen, or it looks like they are going to be without two of their 
other starting linemen. They were already without Collins for that game, but then you've had two other injuries since then. I mean, come on. If you're the Bills and you're going against an offensive line that's got three of their normal starters missing, and then you've got two guys who aren't unbelievable who are still there playing, like this is a matchup that should be winnable. But quite frankly, the matchup against the Dolphins' offensive line probably should have been winnable or more winnable than it ultimately was. They did a pretty good job, but I don't think they completely changed the game or anything at the defensive line against Miami. So this is a favorable matchup, and that would be huge for the Bills and their chances. Yeah, we're going to get with Joe Goodberry in this podcast like we did the last time they played the Bengals and ask him just how much. is like, is it from 1 to 10, is it a 1? Like, no, they're totally fine. To 5, like, ah, some concern. To 10, like, oh, my God, they're in so much trouble without these guys. Let me say it this way, Matt. I think this is, if you want to say it, a great opportunity or even indictment if they can't do it on the revamped defensive line for the Bills. They went out and they spent so much money and resources, not just on Von Miller, but on Daquan Jones, on Jordan Phillips, on Shaq Lawson, right? You already have Ed Oliver, um, Tim Settle, they bring in him in. They have to win this. This is why you got these guys. Yeah, and also Jordan Phillips is an interesting person to watch because if he wasn't available the other day and he can play this week, that would be a really big return for them. I know Jordan Phillips, there's a lot of names there, so sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle, but he has been a difference maker, especially getting after the quarterback this year. So if you could have him back, and I look at these two teams, and I by no means think that this is you know a walk in the park or anything like that. I think this is going to be a really, really close one-score game. But since these last two teams met, I feel like they're trending in opposite directions injury-wise, and also with some of the things that were favorable matchups for the Bengals, now as far as the Bills are concerned. Like, Tredavious White has played a couple solid games since he was really targeted against the Bengals those few drives a couple weeks ago, and Kyrie Elam really stepped up against Miami. So, if you could have less questions at cornerback for the Bills, and the defensive line is able to get home, those could be some matchups that you're able to win. Agreed on that. And let's remember, Taron Johnson got hurt on that first drive. Before the DeMar Hamlin situation, Taron Johnson went out, and that would, be, that would have been a huge loss for the Bills because of the way they like to use Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins, of course, really a big number, uh, secondary wide receiver for them if you want. Jamar Chase, we know he's a really good number one. And the Bills, Matt, have given up numbers to number one receivers this year. Now, a lot of that was before Tredavious White. I am interested in what you just said about how they targeted Trey. It did feel like that, right? Do you think it was intentional because the first play of the game, they went deep on him? Yeah, they were going at him the entire time. And the touchdown was on him. The first deep pass was on him. And, you know, give him credit because they were like, nobody else is going to do this. We're going to do this. And we're going to see what this guy has. But since then, I feel like Trey has kind of gotten his footing a little bit. Like against the Patriots, I know he wasn't going against any elite competition, but it felt like that was his best game. And the coaches said that as well. And then against Miami, same thing. You're dealing with Skylar Thompson. I understand that that inflates things a little bit, but they've got some really nice playmakers with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. And both of those guys had a couple drops, which I think would have made their days look kind of more to their standards. But that being said, you would take those stat lines for both of those players any day of the week. I mean, going into this game, if you're like, okay, none of the receivers are going to get over 70 yards, you, well, oh my gosh, take that. You would take that in a heartbeat. Even I think of a hundred, if you could keep two of the three under 100, you, you probably take that, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe one guy gets loose for over 100, but once you start getting up, I mean, that's what happened last week, Diggs and Davis, and that hurt the Dolphins, right? Let me stay on the defensive side, though, because um, obviously the offensive line for the Bengals is going to be a storyline. They have not run the ball all that great this year, and Joe Burrow is not Skylar Thompson as far as his running ability. He is mobile. He's going to keep plays alive. So if you're the Bills, 
do you try to take advantage by blitzing and saying, hey, we're just going to go at you? Or say, hey, we're going to go with four. We think we can beat you. Hold back and say, we will dare you and challenge you to run the ball. I think that's what you do. I think that if you try and blitz them, they're just going to pick you apart. And I think that, you know, he gets the ball out of his hands so fast anyway that if you're not creating pressure consistently with four, then you're going to just be toasted so for me i think that you can use it sparingly you can blitz every once in a while to try and just kind of keep them on their toes but i would think the majority of the time it should be you know try and disguise who's coming maybe you want to bring the linebackers up to the line and then you do some exotic stuff but i think the minute that you start sending five or six people is when they're just going to get the ball out of their hand fast and then they're just going to pick you apart and that's one of the things that leslie frazier has talked about a lot this week he's like joe burrow is so good at just taking what's right in front of him and that has been a criticism of the other quarterback in this game, Josh Allen at times, and just always trying to go for the knockout punch. And the perfect answer is probably somewhere in the middle. But you watch a Joe Burrow game, yeah, he'll extend the field, he'll make some deep passes, but he is not afraid to dump it off to somebody for three, four, five yards and just kind of keep, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts, basically. You brought up Jordan Phillips and his injury situation. Really, the only two injuries we're monitoring are on the Bills' defensive side. You have Jordan Phillips and you have Dane Jackson. Jordan Phillips hopefully will play in this game. That would obviously help him on the defensive line. But when you go and look at Dane Jackson, Sean McDermott said on Monday he's day-to-day. We are down here on Wednesday. McDermott just met with the media. He said everybody is available to practice today. It is a walkthrough. It's not a normal practice. That is great news. But let's go back to what you said about Kyrie Elam. Had a really good game. Dane Jackson's been the starter. They've been rotating. Is it time to start tilting that more to Kyrie Elam? Yeah, I think so. I think the perfect balance is probably like a 70-30 balance of Elam to Jackson, just because I think there's more upside with Kyrie Elam. I think Dane Jackson might be the safer play, but I think at this point, you need to be playing to win. You need to be aggressive. You need to be rolling the dice a little bit, and I think Kyrie Elam has the ability of just kind of being that perfect complement to Trey White. There's nothing he has not done it consistently enough to say, like, okay, Kyrie Elam has arrived he should be the 100 percent starter but i think that he should be getting the majority of the snaps and also i think maybe if you're gonna give some of the snaps to somebody that isn't elam maybe christian benford is able to get into this game because they've really liked what they saw from him early in the season he's still recovering from the injury but i don't know i think i would be more interested to see them use benford than jackson like i think you know yeah i I hear you and i also the bills don't do this a lot i wouldn't be Surprised that they use dime coverage, six DBs, instead of they normally play nickel, they normally play five. But maybe this is a game we're going back to. The the Bengals have a tough time running the ball. They're bottom five in yards per play. They're bottom five in yards per game. Maybe this is a game where you say, look, we're going to put six DBs on the field, and we're just not going to give you anything with those receivers. Yeah, and it's tricky because you can probably get away with that depending on who you're using. Like, Taron is good enough that he can basically – he's like a linebacker and a defensive back. He's a little bit of everything. They've tried it with Saran Neal in the past. Saran Neal is, you know, better than some in run cover but not great in pass coverage so you get a little bit of both there I think that if the Bills can shut down the run game early in the game then they can make that switch because they're going to be like they're going to or if you get a lead because then you know they're going to be passing you know it's really interesting Miami really didn't try and run the ball and when they did the Bills were able to completely shut it out it made the Dolphins one-dimensional so if they can do that again that would be a huge huge thing for them because if Cincinnati has all their options that's not something that you want to see because that, that's really dangerous. Yeah, and if you do go dime, who comes off the field? I would guess it would be an interior defensive lineman. You're not taking Milano or Tremaine Edmonds oh, off the field sure. either. Um, one last thing before we get to the offense. On the defensive side, we do know Micah Hyde will not play in this game. Sean McDermott made that clear. How do you think that D. Marlowe was held up, and what about in this particular contest? Best mistake ever. He said <laughs> even after the game, he was like, I wasn't even supposed to be standing there, but I was there, and then I got the interception. I think he did fine. I think it's really hard to gauge somebody like that 
in that setting against a third string quarterback against a team that was really depleted. I think defensively as a whole, they did a really good job against Miami, but I think it's going to be such a different challenge yeah. this upcoming week. So I don't really, and it's the same thing with Elam too. Really liked his day, but I really liked his day against Skylar Thompson. Now we could see how he stacks up against Joe Burrow. Same thing for Marlowe, obviously. All right, let's talk about the Bills' offense and something interesting Sean McDermott talked about and Leslie, I'm sorry, Ken Dorsey also talked about this week. 